0: Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. I'm Adam Huss, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for listening. And a big thank you to those of you who have subscribed via Patreon. You make the show possible, and because of you, this podcast should really be called the Ecological Community Podcast, or something equally meaningful to show that for every wild mushroom you find in the forest, there's a big network of interconnected beings who make its existence possible. Those unseen connections, how to protect and foster them, and the folks who are using their minds and hearts and bodies, their lives, to do the work of expressing the magic that can result from those connections, that's what this podcast is about. And that's what you Patreon subscribers make possible. And I'm humbled and filled with gratitude to be part of this interconnected community. If you'd like to support this podcast by subscribing to our Patreon that link will be in the show notes and on the episode webpage at organicwinepodcast.com. My guest for this episode is Jaime Niembro of Vinos Barregones. Vinos Barregones translates to ponchy wines in English, though Google will translate it to pot-bellied wines. And you'll hear Jaime's hilarious story of how the name Barregón became the name for their wines and aesthetic. Jaime is using his Vinos Barragones to regenerate his family's 6.5-hectare or 16-acre vineyard near Querétaro, Mexico. Querétaro is just a bit more than an hour north of Mexico City, and quality viticulture is possible here at this southern latitude because of the high elevation. 1,800 meters or close to 6,000 feet above sea level. Of course, that brings some unique challenges as well. And Jaime gives us a great explanation of how he makes wine with the climate to fit his culture and cuisine perfectly. We also talk briefly about the ciders Jaime is making and mezcal, which is where Jaime got his start in fermented beverages. One of the insights Jaime offered that has made me appreciate Mescal much more than I did was its possibility to express terroir. Unlike grain spirits, which are made with an annual crop, mescal is made from a perennial plant that lives in the soil for years, sometimes decades, before harvest. This new way of seeing and appreciating mescal has strangely affected my palate, and I've found myself actually enjoying it for the first time. I've had a decent bottle at home, of course, I mean, this is Los Angeles, but I've neglected it in my cabinet for years. After this interview, I immediately poured a glass for myself and loved every drop. And mezcal has been the only liquor I've ordered at a bar since. So there you go. A little mind-palate connection magic was made possible thanks to Jaime. So a big thanks to Jaime for expanding my world and for being the first Mexican wine producer on the podcast. There's an old and vibrant and growing wine culture in Mexico, and I hope to share more producers with you soon. Enjoy. Jaime, welcome. Thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you, Nam. It's, it's, it's a big pleasure.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you, not the least because you are my first uh, Mexican interview. So that's very exciting for me. I'd love to. I've been, you know, searching and so glad that we met at Raw. Uh, It was great to taste your stuff. And also there was a great panel on the sort of rise of Mexican, you know, natural wine and the farming behind it. A lot of great producers now who are showcasing some of the unexpected uh, and historic regions of, of Mexico. And I, I wonder if you could just start by talking about where, you know, orient us to where you are in Mexico and, and actually where you are right now, like physically, <laughs> where you're sitting.
1: Uh, well, I will start by saying thank you very much for inviting us. It's, it's an honor to be the first Mexican uh, winemaker in, in, in speaking with you, so... Um, uh, I am from Querétaro. I was born and raised here in Querétaro, in Mexico. We are in the central part of Mexico. We are like uh, two hours north of Mexico City. Um, Querétaro it's a very prosperous and very booming economic and uh, economic region in in, in Mexico. Uh, and like twenty minutes from from the city, which is a two point five million city, uh, we have a wine county that it's growing year by year. And its I, I, I say that there are so much great producers um, doing very cool stuff over here that I think yeah. it's going to be one of the regions that in the next 10 years, uh, you're going to start listening a lot about this region and actually tasting a lot of amazing wines from this region. I really see this as, um, as the, you know, it's going to be... Very, very hyped. Uh, we call it Bajío because we're very close also to Guanajuato, which is like 30 minutes uh, from drive from here, from Querétaro. So we always okay. say that the, the wines from this region, Bajío, which is Querétaro and, and mostly Querétaro and, and, and Guanajuato, it's it's the next thing. I think it's there's so many amazing wines and also so many amazing producers from these regions that you're going to start hearing a lot from it.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And what's the name of where or where are you right now? Like what I, <laughs> I hear birds I, chirping I, yeah, and <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm actually at the winery right now. Uh, so basically our winery it's located like 20 minutes from Querétaro city from downtown Querétaro. Um, we have uh, 6.5 hectares of um, of agricultural regenerative agriculture vineyard and I'm right here right now. So All the birds of you here, they're here in the winery, and actually we were, um, you know, walking around the vines today in the morning, checking how the the cover crops are, and I was like, well, I'll take this interview here in this nice (laughs) area. I'll I'll make sure, I'll send some pictures to you (laughs) you to actually see where I am at the Uh, moment. But yeah, we are... We are located at the central part of Mexico. So, uh, uh, as I said, before, if if you fly to Mexico City, it's gonna be like an hour and 45 minutes drive to the the winery.
0: Got it. Now, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Which is it's actually a very small drive from Mexico City. So, you know, we have a huge market like Mexico City. Very, very in a very easy drive. So we, we receive a lot of uh, people from Mexico city on, on the weekends and we can promote our wine, which our wine, it's, uh, we have a winery, a natural wine called Barrigones. Um, that actually, uh, we are a COVID project. I, 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 I have been involved in, um, in, in spirits for 13 years. Um, I partnered up with a Maestro Mezcalero 13 years ago, and we started a brand called uh, a Dios. And then during COVID, we actually, we were uh, in Oaxaca, Oaxaca shut down. So we basically, we were not able to produce anything. So then my family owns uh, 6.5 6. Uh, hectares of wineries. So basically in COVID, we, we didn't have anything to do and... I was like, I need to do something. So we start making some wine in some fermentation tanks, wood fermentation tanks that I borrow from our mezcal uh, facilities in Oaxaca. So we brought the mezcal uh, pine tanks into Querétaro and we start producing red wine. Um, And that's how we started. So basically we are a COVID project. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We we have three years making wine. um, Right. And I'll say that we are very fortunate that we have some great mentors, uh, which are Branco and Natalia. They have a project here in Mexico called uh, Cava Garambullo. They're located in San Miguel de Allende, which is one hour drive from where we are right now. And they taught us basically how to produce wine. And it was actually, it was great because they're so smart and they're so full of knowledge that they make something so, so complicated and complex, uh, very understandable, so we can actually, we were able to produce wine and good wine, drinkable wine in the first year. I mean, uh, I, I always say that your school, it's they, they always say that there's not, you know, there's no like this classification of wine. There's good wine and bad wine, that's it. And they're always saying that we should be able to make wine so people can enjoy it. because, and yeah. honestly, that's, that's what we, that's what I say that we share with them. We think that wine, it's something to actually, we, I always say that it's like a social lubricant that it, it should make life easier. It should, it, yeah. it should serve to actually relax. We already have a lot of problems. We already have a lot of things to worry. Wine should be something to distract you from that. And to let you concentrate on having a good time and forget about whatever you're having your head, just relax and enjoy. So for us, that's wine or or, or spirits or whatever. It's, it's something that you make to actually make people happier. Yeah. Then you have the responsibility to make it the right way. So even though if you like it or you don't like our wine, it should have no defects. That's, and that's our opinion on, on, on how we make wine. So that's how we started the, the project under that vision.
0: Yeah. Now how it's I, I I feel very <laughs> similar to you about that approach to wine. And for me that, you know, that informs the way that I think about the farming and the, the social aspect of, you know, everything that goes into it. Like I don't want the creation of wine at any level, you know, from, from the from the vineyard through the culture that you know, and the the agriculture practices, the farming practices, the labor practices. I would, I don't want those to exploit anybody. I don't want those to ruin the land because that would that would ruin my buzz. You know, that would take away from my enjoyment of this thing that is supposed to be relaxing to me. It does how does that translate for you? I mean, is that a similar approach in in the way that you think about that, or or?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: does it does it does it start before the bottle with that approach, or how do you how do you think about it in a holistic course, sense?
1: It has to start be, be before the bottle. Actually, it, it's not just a label and a bottle. This is I always say that uh, wines and spirits they are agricultural projects. They are agricultural businesses, and so we should focus actually on the on the land. And if you focus on having good crops in the land, then you will have good products. I mean. Then in in, in 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 the in the winery in the distillery you need to actually have good practices to actually respect that crops that you actually brought in in this case uh, the 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 grapes so basically we are we're not on, we're committed because on, on on doing good practices with the land and it's just not because it's you know because it's getting fashion to be organic or oh yeah fair trade and all that no no no. This is actually our business. This is my business. I I live from this. So I need to make sure that this is going to be sustainable in the long run. And in my opinion, we have a lot of examples that we have seen that the land in the long uh, terms, if you keep adding a lot of shit into it, fertilizers and everything, then you're going to have your land. It's going to get sick of it and it's going to just stop producing at some point. So we just, we just want to make sure that this is going to be a, not just one generation and not just three years. It can be as long as somebody's passionate about them and keep producing wine over here. Um, so basically that's, that's why we, we start producing this. And then also the fact that we share values with uh, Branco and Natalia made everything very uh, easy for us to get together and actually define a, a, a path for the for the how we were we going to handle the the binger with uh, regenerative agriculture and so basically we have been doing this uh, for four years the regenerative agriculture and we have three years doing wine so basically yeah. the first year was just uh, a little bit detox of the vineyard but then you sure. cannot be so aggressive but you cannot be aggressive very aggressive because then the vineyard is going to notice about that so basically the first year was like making uh things little by little and then next year it was like okay let's move on and actually we were all very surprised on how nature works because it was it, they love it the, the vines <laughs> The change, and they are getting stronger as we uh, as, as every every year they're getting better and better.
0: Yeah. So, what are you doing? What are your practices? How did you start that transition, and, and how's it going now?
1: So basically, right now, for example, we have a, a program in which um, we are doing cover crops. Right now, we have we 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 have different stations for the cover crops. Uh, we have benefic bacteria.s to treat, um, any disease, um, right now, for example, so far it's doing great, the the vineyard, so we don't have any, any kind of problem, um, but for example, um, last year we have some diseases, so we brought some, uh, good, you, you know, you, you actually, I don't know how to say this in, in English, but you, if you have a bacteria, you know that there's some other bacteria that will actually, uh, fight against like, yeah. that other bacteria. So we were actually trying to balance uh, what we do. And we always say that for a bat, there's always uh, a remedy and it should be a natural remedy. So basically we manage that. Um, we manage the, the, the binger like that. We have cover crops. Um, we have been trying in this region. It's, it's, it's actually, let me, let me make a pause uh, over here and speak a little bit about the region. We are in a region. Queretaro, it's located, and and most of the bajio, it's located in a region where we are located at uh, between eighteen hundred to nineteen hundred meters above sea level. So this is very high elevations, very right. high elevations. So this has a lot of um, a lot of great stuff, but also a lot of uh, issues of producing wine at these uh, altitudes. So basically for example here in in the vineyards you're going to see that all the vineyards have nets and a lot of people say hey are those nets for the birds or what 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 is the purpose of the nets and the nets over here are to protect the vines from the hail because right. we in average we receive like 3 or 4 hails right now in this season in May during uh, April, May and June when when it's actually when the the vines are actually developing where they are actually getting right. all the strings so one hail without um without any um net it can destroy your vintage it can just from right. if you just you know nature it's 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 just it's yeah it's less than it can destroy anything so it can destroy your vintage in in, in five minutes so basically yeah. we have this kind of stuff then we actually we harvest during rainy season um, basically, the the rainy season here in this part of Me- of Mexico, it's the same as a hurricane season. So basically, it starts in May and ends up in in October. So that makes a very <laughs> particular vintage because we actually have we have to harvest in the middle of rainy season, and then we have right. you know some soils that they're not entirely for vines because some of them are very rich. Rich, extremely rich in nutrients. So, mm-hmm. so basically, it, it has a lot of particularities uh, producing yeah. wine in this region. It's it's and I think it's it's beautiful. And I always say that this is a great region for producing white wines, uh, sparkling wines, and rosé with a lot of um, of um, acidity. And I, I think they just go great. We, we, we can talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I lead, wanted to on, jump in, and think, yeah, yeah, I just
0: wanted to jump in and say, for you know, the American audience, that elevation is close to six thousand feet, which is insane. Um, it is. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you're you're further south, so I think you get a little bit of moderation because of that. But you you still have all of the variability of that altitude, where you, yeah, you can get like, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, um, like I'm if, sure you, it, if
1: you if you go to a map. We're actually a straight line to, I don't know, to Africa. So basically, I mean, there's no wineries in Africa. There's no wineries in this in this kind of uh, latitude. So that's why we call it uh, extreme viticulture here in, in, in El Bajío because it's very untypical. It's not what you usually see. It's very right. south. We're very near yeah. to the... Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now, if I'm not mistaken... A lot of the grapes historically have come there because um, they were seen as a, it, seen, it was seen as a good area to grow the grapes for Frijenet. Is that
1: right? Well, basically, hearing you know, well, let's start a little bit let's go back a little bit. You know that okay. Mexico was the, when, when, when the, the Spaniards came into the Americas. Mexico was the first place in the Americas where vines were actually grown. So right. we are the first place in the Americas where wine was produced. Um, and then this region, right. Querétaro, was very big on on on, on 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 vineyards because of Martel. Martel was located over here and they were producing actually uh, brandy. Got it. Then Martel leaves, like, in the 80s, and then Fray came over here. Got and okay. Frey started, I think, in 1982. They start producing. And, you know, we we have all heard about Fray and we all might have our opinions. The only <laughs> thing I can say about Fray Chenet is that they are a huge angel, a huge... Um, they're of so many help for the new... Uh, vineyards and for the new winemakers in the region because you know they're they're a big company and yeah. instead of you know looking for themselves they're always looking on how they can actually support the small producers and they mm. know that if they support a small producers the region is going to start growing and if the region grows they're going to have better business so they are a great they have been very supportive not only for us, for all the region, they are very, very, very. Um, I say that the region it's getting prosperous and the region it's growing because we have this kind of uh, players in the industry that they're willing to help everyone else, not huh. just thinking about what they. Oh yeah, my wines and this. No, they're actually. You know what? Let's support the small brands because they're making good stuff. Let's let's do it. So yeah, they're basically what the region needs nowadays, I will say that it would definitely not be possible if it was not for Frischenet because it's not just that they have a binger. They have the binger. They are suppliers of bottles. They are suppliers of corks. They have a lot of technical um, expertise. And sometimes, like, as I told you before, I have three years doing wine. There's a lot of things that yeah. I still don't know and I'm still trying to figure out. Even though I have Branco and Natalia uh, uh, advice, there's some other things that, that for example, if, if I need something, I will call Juiz. He's the CEO of freshenet And he will answer the phone and he will actually help me. So mm-hmm. basically, and this is what's going on with a lot of uh, new wineries over here. It's actually a very, um, it's a very um, well-communicated and, collaborative uh, like like a family all the producers or most of of them they're like a family they're very united and that's why I see that in a very short period of time we have actually uh, achieved a lot that people here in Mexico especially in Mexico City are speaking about not only uh, wines in Baja in the north part of Mexico also wines from El Bajío and I think it's because of this because it's not just that I go and I speak by from. I speak of my project. I go and I speak of all these projects, all these cool places that are making good wines. Um, and I think right now it's the moment to actually grow as a region. And if the region grows, then we are we are all gonna grow as a, you know as, a, as as projects. So we are in that phase, which I think it's great. I I, I wish it. It can stay like that forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Do what yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but that's great. And and uh, I would love to get more into. Uh, so the the winery, the wines that you make are the Barrigones. Is that right? Is, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, please say it because I'm sure I am not. Yeah, it's Barrigones.
1: Uh, the brand Barregones. is called Barrigones. It's uh, and that means
0: potbelly or paunchy
1: is that punchy, actually the, the the sack translation it's punchy actually punchy. it's a very um <laughs> it's a very funny story um, i was gonna ask yeah, yeah. it's actually it, it it was funny because we had we have a restaurant here in the winery and we had um a mascot which was a, a, a how do you say uh lamb it was a lamb oh and okay Mascot. And it was in the offices, it was in the restaurant, he loved, he loved to be pet, and he was, you know, walking around, and <laughs> his name was Barrigón, like punchy. And Got it. So this, this guy, so we created, so we were like, how long does this uh, lamb live? And they were like, yeah, this amount of, of time. So we were like, oh yeah, it, enough to have a brand to... To call the na- to call the brand after him, so right. we started the branding and all that. And then one day uh, we were like one month to release to start producing the wine, and he committed suicide. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no. It, 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 that's a funny story. But it, 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 he didn't commit suicide. He was in his house, and he <laughs> got his neck, his necklace got uh, like stuck in in something, and he actually. Uh, he hung oh, himself, said, uh, yeah. Hung. So yeah. We died. So we always uh. said, because of the pressure of being a rock star of wine, that <laughs> he committed suicide. <laughs> no, but really, we were very sad. It was like a big shock. Yeah, no. Uh, that I'm sorry. That's it.
0: it. Is a and it's a sad and hilarious it is story. It's sad. I mean, I'm the way you tell it. <laughs> we were
1: very sad. And basically, we we're like, "Fuck! What we're we gonna do with the brand?" And right. we already had. You know the, the the trademark and all the branding and the colors, so we're like, so what we should do? So we were like, okay, let's let's overcome this, uh, and so we start uh, <clears throat> making drawings of the people that works in the winery, like the accountant, the administration, the marketing, the designer, of course, the winemaker, the people that work in, in the fields, in the wine, in the vines and all that, the chef of the restaurant, everybody from the restaurant. So we start just making everyone fat and putting them in, in, in the labels. And this represents <laughs> for us, like, and for us, like, I mean, it, it, it nothing should be perfect and there's no perfect. Like we just have, I think we, we have stereotypes on things and it should not be like that. Mm. Like, I mean, you can be so different here in Querétaro than what you have in, in Spain. And you should not judge both of them because of what they are supposed to be. Everyone, it's a, something unique and everyone, it's it's something different. So we were like, yeah, let's let's make something that calls for an imperfect piece of art. And that's how we see the, 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 the wine. And that's why we actually uh put um uh, uh punches on, on 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 the labels and it's it's all people that work over here it's all person uh people involved in the project so that's a little bit of, about the story of uh, behind uh, barrigones
0: i love it uh, do you, now do you can i ask you are you a student of botero do no you know his... i'm not
1: actually no the, as no, you know
0: was, you know who I mean that uh, you know yeah, that artist yeah, yeah, botero.
1: yeah, yeah. from Colombia and it, 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 it was a coincidence but we, we yeah were right actually looking for actually go after a botero style of uh, right of <laughs> actually if That's it <clears> might if you you're, you're, you might you are actually gonna see that the label you we upload every time that we release a new wine we upload like who's the person that it's been um, drawing. Oh, gotcha. Right, so right. Like the real it, person and it's... then
0: the, the caricature kind of thing.
1: Exactly. Last week we yeah. upload, for example, Anna. She's the finance girl. And <laughs> she's the new label of the orange wine. So oh, nice. even though she's very skinny and she's always in the gym, well, over here she's not. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> Right, right. So, well, so yeah. Like... And your one of your labels might be the first... Uh, Examples of a butt crack that I've, or a plumber's crack that I've seen on a wine label. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then, and I, 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 joke that I think the plumber's crack is the cleavage for the man. Yeah, but that <laughs> I don't know if that translates yeah, yeah. very yeah. well. but... <laughs> no, I,
1: and you know what? I always, I also, I always say that. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes wine can be very pretentious. Uh, I always yeah. put the, the 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 example of like. Whenever you're whenever you're gonna open a, a, a bottle of wine, like it's always like who's gonna taste it? Who's gonna, right. who's gonna taste it? Who's gonna see if it's okay? Who's gonna you know, who's gonna take yeah. that responsibility and I might like it, but if the rest of the table it's not gonna like it, then already, you know, make a mistake and it should not be like that. Right. I always compare it with beer. Nobody gets ner- nervous after opening a, <laughs> right. a, a bottle of beer. It's so casual. It's so easy drink drinking beer. I think wine should be like that, and yeah. that's why we're actually the labels are very colorful, very playful with the um, you know the the as you say the the crack on on on, on, on
0: the, <laughs> the yeah the plumber's crack yes, look,
1: the plumber so we are trying to make the wine more approachable and more. Even funny, like yeah. making yeah. fun of, of, of I, and, and don't get me wrong because we know, we know how much effort and how much work it's in every bottle. It's yeah. not about making, um, how you say demerit or not giving the, 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 the right.
0: right. I, I know what you're saying. I'm the, herbs, to think of the right word, the, the right? Wine
1: production. By no means, I'm, I, I'm, we're trying to, to go that way because I see, for example, every year we're becoming better and better with, and I can taste it in our wines. And then we're like, I can't imagine if we were 50. if This probably was 30 years. The things that we should be doing, like, and then that's when you start appreciating the, the experience and the tradition of making wine. We're yeah. trying to get there, but at the same time, we're trying to make it easier for people to actually start drinking wine, and especially in a country where people don't drink wine because the the, 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 the average consumption of wine in Mexico is still very low. We right. just overtook Spanish wine like four years ago as the Mexican wine overtook Spanish wine as the most consumed wine in the country like four years ago. So we're talking that this right. is a new thing. So we need to make sure that our consumer feel comfortable to actually start trying wines so our industry yeah. can actually start growing. So that's, that's actually what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to achieve, right. to make good wines, healthy wines, um, funny wines, colorful wines, because at the end we also see that this is a reflect of who we are, of our culture. I think that we are the Mexican culture is like that. You can see it in, in, in our in our gastronomy. It's playful, it's colorful, it's so diverse. And it should be like wine should be like that.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I let me ask you some if if you don't mind I I love yeah. everything you're saying. I just want to go back before we move sure. on to the the wines and stuff. Um you brought up the uh, the fact that you're getting most of your rain in these during the growing season, right? Yeah. So how does that affect your mildew pressures? I, I know you guys are growing vinifera, so you're growing a lot of Spanish mm-hmm. varieties, things that are grown yeah. for in cava for cava. Um, so how, how do you, what do you, how do you manage that with a spray program? What are you, what are you using to control for that? What, what's that like when you get to harvest and you're getting tons of rain? How are you, is that why the, the sort of low acid early ripening whites or high acid ri- whites are doing well? Can you just sort of talk about, you know, how that all works out in your farming and what that, you know, what that results in with the wine, especially at harvest?
1: this is like, this is talking about Barrigones. Uh, what we're doing is that we're doing uh, early harvest. So we have low proof wines with a very bright uh, acidity. Mm-hmm. And basically what we have is that during the, the and this is most of the times because, you you know, it, 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 it's never the same, but basically uh, between July the 25th, to August the 10, we are gonna harvest everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Usually, that by that time, we already have the 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 breaks around the 2022. 20 okay, and um, then we have a right pH, so we are actually harvesting by pH. Um, okay, yep. Whenever the pH is through, it, it's right, we are gonna harvest. Um, most of our wines have a bright acidity; they're very, uh, frutal, low, abb. Uh, alcohol, low ABV uh, wines. So we always say that this is a perfect wine for Mexican food. I don't see, I, I love tacos and I eat tacos on a daily basis and I don't see myself eating a taco with salsa and a lot of spices uh, with a, <laughs> a big red. body red with a lot of barrel. No, I see myself <laughs> eating that taco with a light, crispy, uh, bright acidity white wine. So we are focused. Basically, we as Barrigones, eighty between eighty to eighty-five percent of our production, it's gonna be whites, orange, and rosé, because we think that this region, it's a great region for this kind of wines, for lightly body whites and roses that go perfectly with our weather. Because I mean, in Mexico, we don't have a well in this in most of Mexico we don't have you know uh strong winters like our yeah. winter in, in in the day the the day uh weather in winter it's like high 60s and that's right. the coolest it gets and probably right. you will have like <laughs> 10 days of like going in the 50s or 40s but that's it like yeah we this is a, a country and this is a gastronomy that in in our opinion and then all that I'm saying it's what we think as barrigones. This is a personal opinion from who's behind this winery. So I'm not saying that applies to everyone, but um, in my opinion, and we do wines for Mexican food, for Mexican weather, for our culture, for who we are, because this is where we drink and this is where we live. So that's why we're making wines like this. So it it basically, we are, you know, when it becomes to the, the harvest season, we are... Like we become weather channel freaks because we're checking the weather every day. And as soon as we see like a window of sunny days, like if we see that it's going to be like four days, five days of sunny, of sun, boom, we go and then we check all the, the, the binds and then we decide. So basically everything is changing from one day to another one. So I bet it's the same everywhere. Uh, but basically we are always checking the weather And we're always checking the the vineyards. We're always uh, with the vines, checking every day, different locations. And then we will actually start producing. It's not that we have, like, we go with the flow, actually. We go with however the the vineyard wants us to go, we'll go that way. So basically, for example, last year we started with Charello um, production because we were doing a, a... uh, sparkling wine uh, with charelo, uh, so basically we started with a Charello. but then we usually we usually the the the, the, la, the, the previous two years we were always going first one uh, white wines and then uh, the reds, and last year no we actually we we cut the Charello. and after we harvested the charelo we went straight to the to the. Um, to the garnacha Nash, to make a rosé because it was yeah. already good. So with this, we, we don't have like, a, <coughs> sorry, we don't have something like berry planted. We just go, go as the, the, the vines tell us to go. And we usually try to avoid the heavy rains from late August. In August and September, there's a lot of heavy rains. So we try to be done by mid uh, by the 10 or 12 of uh, August. So we avoid that heavy rains by uh, that come at uh, late it. August to try to avoid some diseases from uh, a lot of humidity. That right. a lot of uh, of the most yeah. What are waters, you? They wait to actually have more bricks, more on on the vines,
0: but they risk the. All that end of season you know, a lot moisture. of them
1: they, they risk and then they can actually they can intervene the wines in the in the bin, in the winery Got because it. natural wine so basically what we do with with this it's try to avoid to get probably we're, we're not going to have high uh, ABV wines because of this reason but we are happy to produce whatever we can produce that it's actually a good wine.
0: Now, are you what? What it? So you are getting rain during the growing season quite a bit, though, too, right? I mean, is it constant? It's sort of a monsoon climate in that sense. Right? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's actually funny because before it was like it was different. It was like some rains mm. in May, which, for example, nowadays we haven't had any rain here in the Benin. Oh wow. We just had one in April, and it was a little bit of hail and rain, but it was nothing that actually it was like just like it actually moisture like probably two inches, so it was like right. just nothing. And okay. then it says that it's going to rain today, so I hope I hope that it, it rains, but it yeah. has to actually rain. Um, so, we you, usually I mean- have some rains in May, then some in June, and then at the beginning of July we're going to have like 20 days of heavy rain. And then we usually have like one month without rain. That's when we <laughs> actually harvest. Got it. It, 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 it.
0: Strange. It yeah.
1: calls, they, they call it here that it's a <clears throat> like a, 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 a heat wave that comes in, in at the beginning of August. And it's usually yeah. like a month. So that's when we concentrate to actually uh, harvest. The thing is that most of the vineyards they're looking for more uh, yield on the on the vines, so they're looking for going in breaks at 25, 26. But uh, we don't, we 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 will actually, you know, go as far as farther as we can. But if if pH it's getting compromised, we will cut the grapes. So we always we're looking for pH of 3.2, something around there.
0: Right, right. Now, in terms of spraying during that growing season, do you? I mean, do you have to deal with downy mildew? Are you? I mean, I'm just curious, like what your viticulture practices have to be like to accommodate those. We we, of
1: things. we haven't had any problem of, of uh, in in the last three years, and when we have had some uh, some issues, we actually we use uh, benefic bacteria,s and it has actually worked pretty really good. Wow!
0: Well, fantastic.
1: So, yeah, Sounds I mean, we, we, have, uh, we, we incorporate, we have our own compost here in, 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 the, in the vineyard. We use all the organic materials from the, um, from the restaurant. For example, we save all the egg uh, shells and all the bones from the, sea, from the fishes that we serve in the restaurant. And then all the poops from our goats and cow. We have a, a cow, uh, machaca. We have yeah. a whole spinto. So we combine all that, we make compost, and then we incorporate it into the vineyard. Uh we use uh guano, which is uh how you say uh bats, bat
0: bat, uh, bat poop, yeah.
1: Yeah, bat poop, and then we use uh, uh humus, which is uh, uh how you say like the lombrice lombrices, um like yeah, the
0: what it, ay, what the it's,
1: lombrices it's um what is that? It's the, the, like the worms that I leave, you know. Oh them. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Vermipost. Vermi yeah, vermicompost. Yes, yeah, like we the, use
1: that. Yeah. So basically, the eggshells bring a lot of potassium, and the, also the bones from the from the <clears throat> yeah from the fish. And then this year we started with nopalinasa, which is nopal fermented nopal. Yeah. So I mean, we have we we put to the wait.
0: The, the, the how nopal. do you use them? W- wait a second. You you ferment the nopal to make like a a tea for the exactly like a,
1: so basically you cut the nopales tea. you shred them and then after uh-huh. you shred them you you put some water on it and you let them ferment you filter them well just with a you know a, a regular filter and then yeah. you just put it on the um, on the binds I'm, I'm, i mean,
0: that's amazing what what is that beneficial for what does it do what does it have in it
1: it has a lot of nutrients that will actually help balance the the um, the, the binds And Uh uh, and actually, we have we have we're very lucky because our vineyard has irrigation, so we can actually put in a very efficient way uh, all these nutrients into the vines. So we we need to have irrigation. Oh yeah, so
0: you're you're like uh, fertigating. Exactly. Nice. Now, I mean, I make wine with uh, tunas, the tunas of the Nepal. So I like. I'm, I love that plant. I mean, I love that cactus. Uh, it's, it, me too. The whole thing is useful, and I, this is another use that I'd never even heard yeah. of, but it makes total sense, and I'm so we, glad you shared that.
1: We actually, we have a friend that produced this, uh, this uh, fertilizer in Durango, and it's 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 very rich on a lot of nutrients. I don't remember all of the nutrients that it, it, it incorpor- incorporates.
0: I wonder if it's but, like a... a the desert uh, version of like a seaweed or a kelp meal kind of thing that you know because a lot of people you know here on the coast use kelp like a kelp fertilizer or seaweed fertilizer for certain nutrients that are you know often lacking um and i would i wouldn't be surprised if there were some similarities there but like if you can't have access to an ocean and kelp and don't want to ship seaweed thousands of miles maybe you're in a place where you can grow nepal and and, uh, I know it has it a lot
1: of nitrogen and, and a lot of uh, potassium, but yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I, I okay. will need to. No, this is
0: great. This is great. We'll look into it. I mean, well, this is homework for everybody to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I have, it's just a... I
1: have the, You know, I have the um, all the technical um, uh, analysis on, on on this, so I can send it to you later on, and you'll see that it has micro components and make uh, micro. So it's it's very very. Um, full of nutrients for the soil oh
0: great yeah if if you want to send that i'll I'll share it if you'll allow me to share it on the the website so anybody can can take a look at that
1: this is something that we use in agave in our agaves in oaxaca the producer of this this product is from durango but we have been buying from them to produce in oaxaca our agave.
0: nice yeah i mean that's a whole other show that we could do. <laughs> I would love to talk about your mezcal. But um, I, I wanted to ask because I noticed that you guys do sidra de manzana. Is that right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we also do some cider because uh-huh. um, basically a lot of people start saying, you know, it, the rumors started over here in this region that, oh, yeah, they're producing, they have a distillery and they're producing uh, also wine. So... This producer of apples, like she has her apple plantations like one hour from where we are. She was like, hey, okay. can I bring all the leftover apples that they're actually starting to get a little bit rotten? And can you make a spirit from it? And we were like, yeah. So she brought apples and uh, and we start. The first thing that we produced was uh, schnapps or uh, and Okay. They were amazing. It was amazing, actually. And then next year right. we start producing cider, and it was fantastic. And the cider was aged on on whiskey barrels, uh-huh. so it was it was very good. And then we start we produce two barrels of cider every year. And last year we produce uh, it was a combination of apples from <clears throat> from La Sierra Norte in Oaxaca and apples from Querétaro. So basically. Uh-huh. I mean this is Barrigon, it's it, it's it's a project under the company, it's called uh Jummy Jummy Wines and Spirits of Mexico. So basically uh-huh. what we're doing it's like we're trying to bring together good producers of any fermentable sugar in Mexico and produce spirits and, <laughs> and yeah. so that's what we that's actually the the, 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 the project that's we started like that, and then suddenly we were doing wine because of because of I don't know because we met Branco and Natalia because my family still uh, has a, a vineyard. So it was a lot of things that actually got together to actually be where we are producing yeah. wine. But at the beginning, it was like just like we see a distillery and and a, and a winery as a kitchen. You can produce in a kitchen. You can do quick food. You can do Japanese. You can yeah. do a Mexican. It's it's a matter of having technique, having good yeah. products, and having someone that can actually guide you through doing good Japanese food, good Mexican food. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do over here. Like we yeah. are by no means experts on, on doing wine or doing cider, but every time we're doing something new, we make sure that we have someone that it's an expert on doing so and we can get advice from them. So that's what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I saw you had the uh, a uh, agave gin as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we, we have an agave gin made out of uh, espadín in Oaxaca. And oh. it's actually, it was es- like...
0: Espadín is the, the shorter, grow, like the it's seven years to to maturity, is that right?
1: Between seven to nine years, yeah. And, and it has, 90. it's more efficiently, it has more sugars, more uh, concentrated sugars than... Than, for example, a wild agave or like a toval rather than a tobala, that it's smaller, it has less sugars. So basically, yeah, an espadin it's it's more efficient to produce.
0: And the uh, but the ones that are what are the ones that take the the longest time, like the 20-year agave.
1: Uh, the tepestates will be uh, taking The tepestates and karwinskis like quiche. Uh, it will take like around eighteen to twenty five years. So
0: wow. Is that does that reflect in the price of the bottle? So if you're getting a more expensive it tequila, does. it's it's because <laughs> it was probably made with one of those longer, slower growers.
1: It does. It actually changed the, the it's not just that it changed the flavor. Right. It also changes the, um, the price because less or more efficiency because right. a lot of, of hand labor a while agave you need to go into the mountains and bring it to the distillery a cultivated agave well you have your your uh, agave farms and you just go pick them up take it to the distillery and while uh, while agave you just have to go sometimes with with mules to the to the Sheesh. to the, to the Mountains and bring them, so yeah, it, it will affect a lot on, on 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 the price, and sometimes they're very expensive, and sometimes a lot of people they don't understand how much effort, how much time it's inside each bottle. It's like yeah. I always say uh, when I when I'm speaking about mezcal, a lot of people compare it compare it with uh, oh, so this is better than a single malt or not, and I always say like I mean. They're all good spirits. The thing is that one of the difference that mezcal has with most of the of the um, of the other spirits is that the mezcal ages in the soil in the earth. So what you should be actually appreciating in every single bottle of mezcal, it's whatever whatever that plant absorbed from the soil from nine to twenty five years. That that's what right. you should be tasting, and that's actually what I love about. Mescal and wine, because I think they're very similar one to each other. At least yeah. natural wine, organic wines, the flavors most of it come from the soil. You are drinking whatever that vine absorbed during that year, yeah. during that vintage, and that's what you're drinking. And yeah. that's why we are into this kind of wines, into natural wines, because we think it's. It's a real and a true expression of a terroir of the land. You're not drinking something that somebody actually go and bought a lot of artificial flavors and did the wine in, the, in, the, in, 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 in a lab. No, that's not the point. The point is to actually taste whatever the, the terroir tastes to be able right. to appreciate that. So that's why I think wine and mezcal, I think they're very resembled. And then you, you, you yeah. have a lot of uh, different agaves, you have a lot of different grapes and then you have, it's not the same an Espadim from Oaxaca than an Espadim from Durango. It's not the same, a, a French Cabernet Sauvignon than a Mexican Cabernet Sauvignon. Each one is going to have their own expression and it's going to be a unique piece of art. That's the beauty yeah. about this kind of spirits that they're not standardized products. They They will always be something different, they will always be a surprise. Rather, whether you like it or not, they will always be something new. They will be there, there's always going to be a surprise on it.
0: Yeah, I like that too. That's well said. Now, can you talk about um, some of your wines and and yeah, just anything that I mean, you already talked a little bit about them, but any anything else that I mean, are, are there any that? you want to particularly talk about just to give a sense of the you know what you've got
1: yeah well we as, as i told you before we are very focused on making uh white wines okay. so basically uh, and why we why wine, white wines because i truly think that white wines are perfect for tacos
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, honestly Fantastic. it's just, it's like i always Thanks. say that mexican wine should be like Mexican beer.
0: Mm-hmm. Think about yeah. the
1: Mexican beers; they're all
0: yeah. light, light yeah. lagers. Yeah,
1: meant to you know drink very cold, and yeah. that's I, I, in my opinion that has a reason. And for me, the reason is because of the weather that we have, and because of the food that we have. Yeah, because our food has a lot of spices and it's very spicy. So I don't see myself with bread. Yeah. Black. <laughs> eating Mexican food so that's why we focus on white wines, bright acidities we have, um, for example we have a, a, a Charello and Macabeo we have a lot of grapes that come from Spain especially because uh, the vine uh, supplier here in this region, it's Frecenet, right? and they, right. they produce a lot of um, of cabas and so basically here in the Bindir we have Charello uh, Macabeo uh, we have a little bit of parrellada, which are the three main uh, grapes in order to make cava. Uh-huh. We have tempranillo, we have garnacha, we have Cabernet Sauvignon, and we have uh, merlot, a little okay. bit of malbec, and a little bit of albariño. That's it. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, with we produce uh, charelo, 100% charello, then we produce... A hundred percent, well, 50-50 Charello Macabeo. Then we produce also, we bring from a vineyard of a friend in Guanajuato, we bring a little bit of Muscatel. We produce an orange wine that it's 50% Muscatel and 50% Charello. We produce a hundred percent orange with Charello. We produce uh, Charello with Uh, Albariño. And then we produce... Uh, rosé that it's with garnacha and a little bit of tempranillo like 60 percent of garnacha and 40 percent of tempranillo I love the the rosé that we do it's very fresh but it also has a little bit of body Uh, it's, it's it's perfect I always say that it's perfect for any Mexican food even for moles then our orange wines are that's that's something that actually for example the first orange wine that we did I think it was the best one that we have done so far and yeah. then the the last two years that we have done orange I think we're we're still missing something from the first one the first year <clears throat> since we were very innocent and we didn't knew how to do a lot of uh, do wine we were actually not taking care a lot of uh not taking that much care of our wines so we left the orange wine, and the extraction was so heavy. Mm. And then the next years, since we're very proud fathers of our wines, we were taking some. We were, I think, we were very overprotected with the uh, orange wine, <laughs> and it, it's not. It's not making distractions that we think we we got in the first one. So we're gonna. We were actually we every time ta- every year that we do every, we have like a. Diary that we write everything that we do on daily basis on the, vin- on the vintage. So two weeks before we start producing wine, we, we read all, the, all that notebooks. And then we start like, you know, we should do this this year. We should change that, blah, blah, blah. So basically this year we're, we know we're going to just, you know, let the Orange be a little bit independent and not as dependent of, of his parents this year maybe we can get the result <laughs> this year. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, yep. I mean, and this doesn't mean that we don't like the wine. It's that when you try the three of them, you see that the first year, <coughs> sorry, that the first year was by far the best year of our orange wine. Huh. So, And then we have some uh, red wines. We have some uh, Tempranillo with Malbec. We have some Tempranillo with um, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and we have some Tempranillo with uh, a, a blend of the three of them. Tempranillo, Cabernet Sauvignon and Malbec. So basically um, it, it, we, we, what, how we do it is that we produce and then we usually do co-fermentations when we have this kind of stuff and they just co-ferment um, and go all the cycle uh, together. Uh, the one that was Malbec and uh, Malbec and Tempranillo, it was uh, a blend that we did in the, in the winery because we were thinking that the Malbec was very powerful and the Tempranillo was a little bit lacking of a structure. So we blend them and we love it. It was perfect. Tempranillo has quite a bright acidity and um, Malbec had a lot of body. So we actually combine it and I, we think it was a very good good wine, the one we have. So we always said that we do <clears throat> um, wines to consume today where our wines are not meant to, um, to you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to save it for my kid's wedding. No, no, no. It's, it's something to drink today with your friends and, and cook something nice and enjoy uh, today. So that's, that's what we're trying to do.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, and we can see all this at uh vinosbarrigones.com, v i n o s b a r r i g o n e s. is there anywhere else that you would send people to learn more or get, you know, get a sense of what you're up to and
1: Yeah, we we're very active on Instagram, vinosbarrigones okay. also. Okay. And we're always uploading like the Daily stuff that it's happening in a, in our vineyard and in our um, in our uh, where we are. So we're very active. We upload mostly on daily basis stuff. So you can actually go over there. Uh, you can go to uh, Beso.com. Uh, in in and you can buy the the wines in the U.S. over there. And yeah. you're always welcome to Queretaro and try. Uh, Not only our wines, but also all the wines that are being produced here in in the region. I guarantee that people people that come over here, actually some friends of mine that they came from uh, Napa Valley a couple months ago, they were very surprised on how good the wines over here were. And they were like, we never heard (laughs) anything about wines in the central region of Mexico because all we hear is about Baja. And don't get me wrong, I love Baja wines. (laughs) <laughs> but we're also producing so cool stuff over here that it's like it's like you never see like, oh no, I'm not drinking I'm just drinking French wine. No, that's a cool part of wine that you drink wines from Germany, you drink wines from uh Spain and Australia and New Zealand. You drink wines from everywhere because you want to see how everyone it's has their own Way of doing things, and then it's it's beautiful because it's something that you can actually enjoy. So
0: yeah, well, so it, yeah, it you're looks always like...
1: welcome to visit us. We also have a great great cheese producers over here.
0: Ooh, okay. It's a. It, and also, I just want to give a shout out to Patrick Neri of Patrick Neri Selections because yeah. he helped helped coordinate us, and he's got uh, MexicanWine.us as a place where it looks like your wines are also highlighted and probably available here in the US for purchase for anybody Indeed. looking for that. Um, well, cool. Thanks so much, Jaime. I really appreciate you talking about it. Is there anything else? Is there anything, any final words that you want to mention or did we cover everything?
1: I I think we <laughs> cover everything, but uh, I, mean, <laughs> right. I would say thank you very much for, for the opportunity of speaking about Mexican wine and, of course, from wine from Querétaro and, of course, of Barrigones. Thank you very much.
0: Absolutely, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you did and would like to support this podcast, please do. There is a Patreon link in the show notes where you can subscribe with a monthly, very low subscription to add monetary support. Or please subscribe on your feed whatever wherever you listen to this podcast subscribe and follow this podcast so that you will automatically download it when each new episode comes out that's one of the few metrics that we can measure to see the support and and listenership of this and otherwise if you're already listening subscribe support whatever uh, just long-time listener haven't done anything please uh, do a review if you would any positive review with five stars and a nice word is fantastic and helpful and uh, really improves the algorithmic performance of this podcast. So thank you so much.